1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Uh, you know, we've really discussed outside of cult movies uh, two driving topics. One, of course, the Eagles draft five days away. The other... Uh, which we've really just dipped our toes into and have yet to really uh, get into a deeper conversation, has to do with a potential plan by Major League Baseball. Now, granted, it's all loose conversation, and if things are written down, they are in pencil. Uh, but nice enough to join us on the line, a uh, writer of... Uh, uh, Philly's beat writer for many years has turned to a sports columnist for the Philly voice Forbes magazine, also working the beat podcast with Mike Kern, who, uh, feature some A-list guests each and every week. I believe the newest episode, uh, which, uh, just debuted the other day, Kev, uh, I believe, is it, uh, Colleen Wolf?
0: Colleen Wolf from NFL network joined us and, uh, Next week, we we get a good guest lineup coming your way. I'll tell you about that
1: later, I'm sure.
2: Very nice. And, of course, uh, working-to-be podcast uh, is available. Apple, iTunes, anywhere podcasts are are, um, uh, available. Uh, Google Play as well. And, of course, the links are on uh, – you can go to uh, Kevin's Twitter handle, at Kevin Cooney. So, Kev, i got to talk to you about some of the things that Major League Baseball is conjuring up and some of the feedback they are getting uh, by some players. So – is it, let me start with this. I, I know as we sit here at this very moment in time, nothing can happen tomorrow. However, the idea of potentially playing, um, you know, in closed ballparks and, uh, you know, whether it be in one area of the country or two, Arizona and Florida, or just one of the two, uh, and, you know, getting in some type of season and keeping players, you know, confined to a specific ho- hotel resort. Uh, with only means of going there into the ballpark in order to get some type of season, and is that uh, in theory is it possible to do it
0: in theory, it's possible, but there's so many hurdles that, that are gonna have to overcome to even get to the starting line um one and Mike trout mentioned this, you know look if if you've ever been in a hotel for over a week you you go a little stir crazy, okay, and uh yeah, you know, look, people are like that at their homes. And especially if you're away from your family and everything, Trout's right. Four and a half, five months for these guys outside, uh, work, living in a hotel, being away from your family. Some of the guys, you know, obviously, you know, Trout's one of them. Zach Wheeler's another. You know, having pending bursts mm-hmm. uh, that may complicate the matters and everything. That's another thing. That's asking a lot. That's part one of this. Part two, and I think you and I have talked about this in the past. You know, A lot of these facilities that they will be using will be spring training facilities, and I'll speak to the Florida example. While it's great to have spring training games there, in June and July in Florida, you have a ton of rain. Anybody who's been to Disney World or, or Clearwater or anything knows that you have that 4 o'clock monsoon that comes in mm-hmm. and drenches everything. These parks are not necessarily major league caliber as far as their drainage, so you're going to run into issues there with rainouts right and part three and the most significant one that I think John that's going to have to be addressed is you're hearing Jeff Wilpon who when he talked to Andrew Cuomo this week and a couple other people talk about the idea that if we're going to play without fans well players are going to have to take a pay cut and you know I, I get it you know we're in an atmosphere where people are losing their jobs and everything but You know, this is still a business, and you're also talking about a a sport that's two years away from a major collective bargaining fight, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I I really wonder if that's going to be the hurdle that gets them. You know, if I'm a player and I'm going, okay, I'm going to have to sacrifice my family and everything, and I'm going to have to sacrifice dollars, at a certain point, I could see players going, no thanks. We'll sit out the year and we'll see what happens.
2: Well, but here's the thing, though, and this goes specifically to what Mike Trout said. And you know, his one of his initial statements that he made, I wholeheartedly agreed with. But then he went on a further tangent. Oh, I don't want to be stuck in, you know, in quarantine for a period of time in between games. I, this is where it bothered me because I think about, it and you know, Kev, you're in this boat as well. I'm in this boat. We're not. There's no games to cover. We're stuck at home. We're worried about our bills. And I and, you know, I'm looking at 26 million people file for unemployment. I guarantee it's it's double that of people who are just eating into savings, who aren't working, that are holding out hope, you know, for pride reasons. They won't have to file for unemployment. And I hear him saying, oh, I don't want to be stuck in quarantine when I'm not playing games. He's going to be in a five star hotel and spa sacrificing, you know, he's in quarantine right now at home, but he'll be making 30-some million dollars a year where there are 50, you know, 100 million people right now saying, boy, I hope I can feed my family tonight because I'm not working. And I'm supposed to feel bad for someone like Mike Trout who would have to sacrifice being in a five-star hotel? No,
0: John, you're you're right. And this is absolutely, it's a tone-deaf statement by Mike Trout. There's no doubt about it, okay? And, And it's a PR nightmare. But it's also speaking a lot of truth. It's the fact of you know, say what you want. You know, and these guys spend a lot of time on the road. I mean we you know, they spend it in five star hotels and everything. Mm-hmm. But the idea is usually when you're in another city and you can go out and eat and you have a little bit of freedom, and more importantly, you have your family in a lot of cases. You know, we've seen players and players' wives and, and all that who take you know, Philly's players go on the West Coast junket. Uh, You know, whenever they go out there, you'll see extra people on the plane or or in the traveling party occasionally, you know, who who make that trip. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, five months without your family is different. I think there is a legitimate – and especially when you consider, you know, as I mentioned, for guys who – the logistical issues of if somebody like Trout goes out, okay, when his wife gives birth. Or Wheeler goes out when their when their wives give birth to their to their kids, and I don't think you argue at all that they should be entitled to go spend time with their family. No, of
2: course, of course. How do you how do you reintegrate them in? Well, I mean, really? listen. I mean, remember, you know, this is a, a such a unique circumstance that everything is going to be different. So, if that time presented itself, um, you know, obviously they they get paternity leave. And then when they come back, they have to quarantine for a certain amount of time, you know, and clear how, you know, the tests that I'm sure they would give each and every player on a near daily basis before they can be reintegrated. But this is, again, this is a rare circumstance. This isn't something that would be the norm. It would be the norm for a a small period of time. But, Kev, do you really think.
0: But, John, John, let me me finish this point, though, okay? And you're talking
2: a small period of time. Play this
0: example out, Mm -hmm. okay? If crowd goes out and we're playing an 81 game schedule you're talking him missing a quarter of the season at least sure in theory by the time his quarantine period is up yeah so this is where it all comes down to is doing all this really worth it are you going to get a good caliber game and and the other part of this too is you're not going to have minor league feeder systems to fall back upon
2: yeah you're right about that you're
0: not going to have minor leaguers probably playing. you may have Taxi squads, you may have increased rosters, but a team like the Yankees, who had 24, 25 DL trips next year or last year, you know, if, at a certain point, how are you going to keep players available if other players get hurt or players have to go out, mm-hmm. you know, on, on quarantines and everything? it's a very very tricky bar and that's why i'm still so in doubt that this is going to happen. Well,
2: and this this kind of leads into another question i have for you. We're you know, we're used to 162 games and right now we're assuming well, maybe 81 games and we're thinking 4 to 5 months. Is it, you know, with all these uh, you know, warnings in mind for players getting hurt, not having farm systems, uh paternity leave, all that stuff in between, Is it feasible to have something like just to get a season in because, you know, above all major league, nobody's making any money right now. And in the end, they're a business and having product to watch, having advertisers will make them money versus what is going on right now. In theory, even if it's something like a 40 game schedule and and it takes place over just a three month period between the start to the end, is that still a better idea than nothing?
0: I personally think 80 games is as low as you can go. Um, And that realistically means if you want to keep the schedule in this same kind of timeframe, even if you bump it in the mid-November, okay, you better have a good answer in six weeks about where this is going. And that sounds like a lot, but figure we're six weeks into this now. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when you look at it, because you're going to need three or four weeks to get pitchers stretched out, everything. You're going to have to re-examine the way you're going to do your schedule. If you're doing a Florida-Arizona kind of setup, up, uh, you're, you're going to have to kind of look at, and get people, you know, transportation and housing and all this. Yeah. And, and reserve hotels. That's I think 80 games, if you go below 80 games, you get into a real, real issue right now. And at that point, even if you expand playoffs and you make it basically total of 95 game season, once you're done playoffs and everything, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it'll end up working.
2: Well, I, I mean, as we're sitting here, we're approaching, we're in now in the latter half of April, and obviously uh, looking at just things where they are right now, based on the news we're hearing, and now at some point we'll have slowly reopen things up. But you know, each and each state's governor is looking at everything differently, and you know, Major League Baseball is going to abide by the health experts before they even contemplate anything. It seems like the conversation we're having here is basically saying there's a very good chance we may not have baseball at all this year.
0: I believe it, and I think that they're going to try. I think they're going to try like hell. But, you know, the one thing that, you know, when we have all these hypothetical conversations about, well, the NBA or the NHL or – Baseball, or whether we're going to play college football in the NFL into the into the fall, you're assuming that everything continues to level off, and there's no spike at some point. That there's no there, there's no rise, uh, you know, in, in any of these cases, which you hope doesn't happen. But you're always having to throw a perfect game at this point to get everything back on track. Yeah, and we see how difficult it is,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's going to be really really tough for them to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, well, it's
0: gloomy and depressing and nobody likes it, especially guys like you and I. But it's just
2: no, it's the reality of the situation. Right. I know you're you're looking at reality versus, you know, just hopes and dreams. And this is where we're at. We're at reality because we're always just like everybody else. We're wondering, you know, where you know, when can I get back to work? When can I stop worrying about bills? So on and so forth. Well, Kev, I. You know, let me let me take the next step then in going from Major League Baseball to the NFL. I mean, the rosters are far larger. The staff is far larger. We, we already, it seems inevitable that fans will not be admitted until there's some type of vaccine or instantaneous testing uh, that can ensure more public safety. But from uh, a specific football team standpoint, it, uh, do you think by really August, uh, we'll start in August, that training camps can commence based on what we know right now?
0: Especially in a sport, you know, we're looking at, you know, we've looked at baseball and baseball doesn't have a lot of physical contact. I mean, there's proximity contact, but there's not banging on each other. You know, for sports like the NFL and the NBA and hockey, where you are literally having guys breathe on you, you know, and you're having guys crash against you, I I, I just don't know how this works. I don't know how you – you know, we saw what happened with Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. okay, and we saw how one Rudy Gobert thing turned into it mushroomed into five or six other guys, yeah, okay. Even when his was on team uh, Christian, uh, Christian Wood with the piece uh, with the Pistons, a couple guys with the Sixers, we don't know if they were players or not, but it, it, it just it had so many tentacles going out that you don't. If you're the NFL and you're having much bigger rosters and you're having guys crash against each other and and play holes and all that, boy, I, I just don't know unless you feel absolutely confident that you know you're at you know, a, a complete flat line on, on, on the rising of cases, I don't know how you can start with training camps. I really don't.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I, I did. There's,
0: and there's also another aspect of this job. There's a legal aspect. And, you know, we talked about this with fans, but we'll talk about this with players, too. You, uh, An organization like the NFL or the NBA or the NHL or Major League Baseball has a legal responsibility to create an atmosphere, a workplace, that does not allow for their employees to get sick. Mm-hmm. Is this different than breaking an ankle or sponsoring some other godforsaken injury? This is protecting your locker room and, and, and from an airborne illness and doing everything you can and taking all the precautions. And I just don't know how
2: that happens. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, uh, we it's, it's self-explanatory, but this is unprecedented, and we're all trying to find our way. And even health experts are just going at it day by day, week by week, and we're trying to figure out all the missing pieces in between. Final question I have for you, Kev. Let me go back to what is going to take place in five days and it's something we're all looking forward to because it's something that isn't a TV repeat or a television series. It's something unpredictable and exciting, and it's the NFL draft. In Kevin Cooney's opinion, everybody now, everybody assumes that the Eagles are going to take a wide receiver in the first round, whether it's staying at 21, trading up, or trading down, uh, taking one of the top three or four wide receivers. In Kevin Cooney's mind, what is the chance Javi Roseman? Doesn't go wide receiver in the first round.
0: You know, it's funny because Daniel Jeremiah has said that he's linked them with a couple linebackers, and which, you know, I think I said on your show, it might have been on Ricky uh, the one night, I said, I think there's zero chance they go to a linebacker because that's just not Jim Schwartz's style. Mm-hmm. He does not put a premium on the position. The Eagles haven't put a premium on the position. I think Jerry Robinson was the last linebacker.
2: Yeah, late 70s. Now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't fit what they do. Um, look, they need <laughs> wide receivers. They need targets so bad. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I saw uh, – look, I, I saw people mention today, oh, Trey Burton's out there. Why not get him back? No. you need – you you, one, you don't need – you need a third tight end like a hole in the head. <laughs> okay? But you also you also need to, to just get burned you need to get somebody who can stretch the field. Mm-hmm. And you also need to give yourself options in case this whole thing with Aslan Jefferson doesn't work out, if, if even if you're trying to patch it together one more time. Um, so they got to – I would find it way more likely, and my buddy Mike Kern and I have disagreed, I would find it way more likely they move up to try to make sure they get one of those four wide receivers. The, right. Jefferson,
2: Judy uh, – Lamb. Lamb.
0: Uh, Lamb and and, and Riggs uh, mm-hmm. crew, you, you got to end up with one of them at the end of this
2: draft. You just have to. Uh, I'd I have one more question for you, Kevin. You are a, a connoisseur of unique. I don't
0: get the cult movie. don't get. The no, 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 and,
2: and that's that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, oh. Kevin Cooney enjoys television. He enjoys, you know, it doesn't have to be a uh, a massive hit box office wise. You like unique movies. I'm sure you have a, a cult movie or two that you enjoy every time it's on.
0: My my favorite cult movie is Strange Brew.
2: Strange Brew. Yes. Hold on, I gotta look this up. Who does what, who stars in Strange Brew? The McKenzie Brothers. W- from Slapshot? No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, that's uh, uh, you're talking about from Rick Moranis. F-C-D-A, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs>
0: With Max von Fido <laughs> where they take over a Canadian brewery. <laughs> it is
2: of so all movies. F- wow.
0: I love
2: Strange Brew. Oh, my. I, You know, I, it took me a minute to realize who you were talking about. I have never seen the movie, although, I mean, it's one of the reasons that Rick Moranis ended up becoming a household name for two and a half decades. Dave yep. Right, right Dave, Dave Thomas. Oh, my Not God. I think uh, Paul Dooley's in that movie. Wow. Strange Brew. So this is a go-to in the Cooney household if it – if you well, no, see it on no, you, you can't even find that me. on the guide, can you?
0: It, it it's a it's a go-to for me. I actually have it still I think on on VHS somewhere. <laughs> uh but whenever I it has been on occasionally on like AMC or something and I I've watched it and it's goofy, it's stupid, but it's it's one that I just find Enjoyable.
2: I and, truly thought that you were going to go because this wasn't a smashing success in the box office. It was more. It turned into a cult success upon its release to VHS. Wayne's World.
0: See, uh, Wayne's World. I have a strange feeling for it because it was my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. So Bohemian Rhapsody coming back and all that. I loved Wayne's World. So to me, Wayne's World was always. I never viewed it as a cult. I, for my age group, Wayne's World was
2: a massive hit. Was it a massive... I'm trying to remember. I, re, I I saw it in theaters, and and obviously it's based off a Saturday Night Live skit, a very successful one, but I'm trying... Maybe I should look it up monetarily and try to determine whether it was a box office hit or not. Was it a box office hit?
0: Maybe just in my crowd it was, mm-hmm. but, I mean, it, it felt like everybody saw it at the time. Like Maybe you know, you're right. Again, you were dealing with 17-year-olds at an all-boys high school... <laughs> <laughs> you Who know, kind of spoke to our level of judge. Right. You know? Right. I mean, you know, take a Laura and replace Mayfair in there. It's <laughs> You know?
2: Kevin Cooney, uh, a, a, a columnist for uh, the Philly Voice, Forbes Magazine, uh, Working the Beat podcast with a one Mike Kern. Colleen Wolf uh, is the guest on the most recent episode. My, you can.
0: My, uh, this week it's Mike Jensen and Dana O'Neill on the state of college
2: sports Ooh. and Kevin Nagandhi on Friday. Kevin Nagandhi. Yeah. A-list guest after A-list guest. Uh, and, of course, they're available wherever podcasts are, Apple, I, uh, on iTunes, on Google Play, uh, what is it, Stitcher, anywhere else. And, of course, the links are all attached to Kevin Cooney's uh, Twitter handle, at Kevin Cooney, which you should be following already. Kev, thanks, man.